Certainly the Thomas the Tank Engine books came first in the Railway series by Wilbert Audrey from 1945. How to Train a Train came along much later in 2013. It's a children's book, it's called a guidebook, on how to choose, track, and train one's very own pet train. According to the story's young guide, who wears a pith helmet throughout the book, you need to know where trains live. Then you need to catch one, and he tells you how. Use a net, for example. But the best way, he says, first get up really early in the morning and find a good hiding spot close to some trains. Now the hard part. Sit quietly and wait and wait and wait some more. And as the sun rises, the trains will begin to stir and start their engines. You can watch them work and play. All that from How to Train a Train by Jason Carter Easton, with a key illustration featuring our young guide riding a steam locomotive like a bucking bronco in order to break the bronco and domesticate it as a pet? We might ask, what's wrong with this picture? Children certainly love making friends with Thomas and his friends, but the idea of stalking trains to net them, to possess them and control them, Sounds like the wonder, the sense of majesty and fascination that a child might have are missing here with the idea of catching a train that way. We know how you can catch a train if you're running late. Surely, young Oren rose before the sun did to go seeking trains, and he learned to wait for their arrival, chugging along the tracks, as our guide recommended. But it's the whole catching business that's troublesome. As we noted, the young guide wants us to catch the trains with a net or even by burying one of them in quicksand to make it our pet. No, young Oren had it right. He learned to catch the trains he loved with his camera, not to possess and control and impose his will on the wonder that was before him, but rather to help him learn to see it, really see it to remember how exciting it was to feel the ground shake as the engine rolled by, and even as a way to save that precious moment he spent with his train-loving dad. Oren Helbach became an artist as he grew older, still captivated by the lure of steam locomotives and the whole sphere surrounding the world of railroads. Oren Helbach is co-founder and director of The Exchange, a non-profit community arts organization in Bloomsburg. Right now, there are two exhibitions of his photographs in the region. The first, Next Stop, Schoolkill, Trains of the Coal Region at the Walk-In Arts Center in Schoolkill Haven up through August 28th. And also, Mill and the Loom at the Haas Gallery at Bloomsburg University through September 14th. We had a chance to speak by phone with Oren Helmbach about the shows and how his interest in trains grew from the hardware to the full surround. When I was a very small boy, my parents took me down by the Hudson River in the Bronx where we lived for picnic suppers. And I usually, instead of looking at the river, was facing the opposite direction at the railroad tracks that went by at that when I was a very small boy, the New York Central Railroad, later Penn Central, later Conrail, now Metro North, mostly passenger trains, 
I just fell in love with the trains. At that age, it was all about the hardware. These trains, these giant mechanical things going by just moved me. My father very quickly recognized this passion in me, and he became a, a really dedicated rail fan, subscribed to Trains Magazine. And from the time I was three years old, we were getting up at four o'clock in the morning to drive across New Jersey to chase steam trains that were operating on special excursions. My father and I did a lot of traveling around the Northeast, as far as Quebec down to North Carolina, visiting steam tourist railroads. At all the places we went, my father would stick out his hand. We'd show up somewhere, and my father would stick out his hand. John Helbach from New York City. I'm a school teacher. I'm really interested in trains. Can you show me what you've got? And everywhere we went, we were welcomed in by the most generous people who were passionate about what they were doing, who were eager to share. So we had experiences riding on trains, getting into shop facilities throughout my childhood and, and beyond. As I got older... I began to realize that the experiences we had, they were obviously all inspired by this machinery, but the reason that we had these experiences was because of the people who were generous with us. I realized that in my photography, it was not enough to photograph the hardware. I needed to be capturing these people as well. And in all of the reading that I had done, my father had, had again, with Trains Magazine and bringing books in the house from long before I could read, I became interested in, in the history, and that history is intimately related to where the railroads go, which means it has to do with geography and social history and industrial history. So railroading as a whole, it's far beyond the hardware that makes the railroads go. It's about how those railroads interact with their environment, with the places they go, and with all of that social and industrial history. What I try to do in my photography is, in some ways, capture all of those aspects. Not necessarily all of those aspects in each photograph, but across the body of work, put railroading into that much larger context. Is there something beautiful, magnificent about the steam locomotive, more so than perhaps what's operating practically today? Is it the mystique of the design that's so a part of the allure. I think with steam locomotives, there are, there are two things. With a steam locomotive, you see everything about it. There's nothing hidden. All of its machinery is hanging right out there. And steam locomotives also make noises that are very human. When we talk about classical music, there are people who say that the, the cello has the timbre of a human voice, and so a cello is a particularly human instrument. Well, a steam locomotive sighs, and it cries with the whistle, and all, all trains have brakes that operate by air. A steam locomotive has an air pump that pumps up the pressure for the air brakes. Well, an air pump sounds like a beating heart. So in all of those ways, steam locomotives seem like living beings. They're not simply cold steel. They're, well, they're hot steel when you put a fire in. And then they make all these noises that really make them seem like living creatures. In addition, steam locomotives are hugely labor-intensive. In a diesel locomotive, you get in, you press a button, the engine starts, and off you go. A steam locomotive requires all sorts of care, from lubricating to building the fire and keeping that fire going. So there's an intimate relationship between 
the machinery and the people who keep it going. That relationship, even long before I understood it, I think was part of the reason that it was so appealing, is that it was a machine that worked with the people with it. And you write beautifully about the inspiration you've received from the masters of trained photography, that that's been very important in educating your eye when you were a little one. You learned from your father, and you learned from those whom you call masters, right? Yes, indeed. I can actually give an example of that from just this past weekend. A friend and I traveled up to Maine to go visit the Wiscasset, Waterville, and Farmington Railroad. It's a recreation of a narrow-gauge railroad in Maine that operated from about the 1890s until about 1940. The railroad went away, but a lot of its equipment was saved, and through one visionary and then a lot of other volunteers, the railroad is being rebuilt on its original right-of-way through the woods in Maine, at least a, a small piece of it. On the way up, though, my friend and I stopped in Portland, on the north side of Portland, just around the corner from downtown Portland, is Back Cove, a little piece of water that a railroad bridge crosses. The, the Grand Trunk Railway had its station in downtown Portland, and on its way out of town, headed for Montreal, they built this bridge across. The trains have been gone from that bridge for decades, but most of the bridge is still intact. In 1955, when the Grand Trunk was still running, Philip R. Hastings, a uh, New England photographer, one of the great railroad photographers, went there one morning and took a photograph of the Grand Trunk steam-powered passenger train heading across this bridge in the morning in the fog. Just a tremendously evocative photograph of a railroad in a particular place. My friend and I went simply to stand where Hastings had stood and look at the remains of this bridge and... I think his ghost was looking down at us as we appreciated that landscape that is still largely intact and thought about what used to be there. Your visit shows not only the respect you each have for those great photographers, but the impact that an artist can have on our lives and our way of seeing. Yes, absolutely. A lot of these places are important to me personally because of the photographs that I saw starting when I was very small. I can go to a place and in some ways I've already been there because of what that artist has shown me, something that, that it's, it's preparation for getting there. And yet you have a voice of your own and you have, I'm sure, taken photographs of your own at some of these sites, right? Oh, absolutely. And in some cases, I'm not trying to do anything original. I simply want to make a record of having been there in this place that I had known about. But it's always possible to stand in some other vantage point. We're there at some other time of day. The weather is different. There's a way of making our own interpretation of that scene that pays homage to that original one, but again, does have some originality of its own. Now, when we're speaking about railroads in a place, you have a show at the Walk-In Arts Center in Schuylkill Haven, and the show is focusing on Schuylkill County and related counties and your photographs. Would we see something in this show that we might not see in another of your shows? Is there something particular about this region and the railroads? I think what's particular about this region is really a quirk of modern history. 
in that there are more operating steam locomotives within a relatively few miles of the coal region than in any similarly sized region in the United States. That's really just by luck. It, it was not by planning. But between the Reading and Northern Railroad that operates out of Port Clinton that has one operating steam locomotive and another under restoration, Railway Restoration Project 113, a nonprofit that keeps a locomotive in Minersville that operates on the Reading and Northern occasionally, the Strasburg Railroad down in Lancaster County, the Black River and Western in New Jersey, Steamtown in Scranton, the Everett Railroad in Blair County. There just happen to be a lot of operating steam locomotives around here. I feel extremely fortunate that just by luck, I ended up living in this area relatively close to all of them. So where do you take us when we come to this current exhibit? How close in and how far out do we go? When you first walk into the exhibit at the walk-in, the large photograph, it's about 32 inches high and 40 inches wide. It's of two of the volunteers from Project 113 sitting on the footboards at the back of the locomotive. The photograph was made in Schuylkillhaven on Borough Day in 2019. The locomotive had come down from Minersville in the morning, uh, had run down under its own power, and it sat during the day just north of the Main Street crossing, boiling water. The volunteers kept the fire hot in the locomotive, and visitors could go into the cab learn about the locomotive, and blow the whistle. The locomotive had been fired up the day before, and someone had had to keep an eye on it overnight. So we're looking at about 36 hours after the locomotive had first been fired up. A couple of these volunteers had been awake with it for most of that time. So there they are, sitting on the back, just exhausted. It's a photograph, again, about the relationship of the human beings to the machinery and indicative of the work that goes into it. Those people who do that work, because they are keeping steam locomotives alive, they're my heroes. And a lot of the photographs that I consider successful of my own are the ones that show that heroic aspect of those people, many of them volunteers. There are other photographs made from much farther back where you get a sense of the railroad and the locomotive in its environment. One of my favorite locations, it's actually south of Schuylkill County, it's in Berks County, just north of the city of Reading. There's a bridge that crosses the Schuylkill River. It's called the Peacock's Lock Viaduct. Peacock's Lock was a location on the old Schuylkill Canal. The railroad was built across the Schuylkill there originally on a wooden bridge in the 1840s, so the canal had a very short heyday. The Philadelphia and Reading Railroad really put the Schuylkill Canal out of business. It's vastly more efficient to transport coal by rail than by canal. But the bridge that's there still pays tribute to that original location on the canal. In 1856, so in American terms, practically forever ago, the railroad replaced its wooden bridge with a stone viaduct, a multi-arch stone viaduct, an absolutely beautiful bridge. It's a location that I had seen a couple of photographs from years ago, and I knew that I wanted to get there and capture a steam locomotive on that bridge. So I actually got in touch with the local landowner. I called on the phone and said, hey, is there any chance that I can, for all practical purposes, trespass on your property to get this photograph? And the answer was, well, yes, you've called me on the phone, you've asked. The answer is yes. So I went in there in the fall of 2017, stood in the river, not too deep, The steam locomotive went by with the sun coming up in the background. 
And again, I captured something of that, that time, that place, that feel of a steam locomotive, cloud of steam in the air crossing that, that ancient bridge. It's not clear when that picture was taken. I'm not making any sort of pretense that it was taken decades ago, but there's nothing in it that says it was made in the 21st century. Again, isn't that part of what we hope when we encounter a work of art is that we have an experience and it could be timeless. It's wonderful when we know that it's specifically this date, this time, and we have a moment that we're aware of. But when it opens out into, as you say, forever, 1800s, that's another aspect of art that's very important for us. It is. I think that's a a wonderful way of putting it, Erica, to, to talk about forever. The caption that is next to that photograph is very clear about the time and place. But looking at that photograph, if it evokes those feelings of now and then and perhaps even into the future, I would consider that successful for what I'm trying to do. At the same time, Oren, you're very sensitive and you're drawn to abstracting things like a wheel or a gear, art that is interesting geometrically and rhythm, and there's something of that in this show. Yes, indeed. There are, there are pieces of the hardware where we are looking just at a very small portion of a locomotive. One of the, one of the photographs was actually made on... It's, it's a locomotive that was built in the 21st century, first ran in 2013, but was built to a 19th century pattern. So it's actually very similar to the locomotives that were at the Golden Spike, driving of the Golden Spike in Utah in 1869. When I rode in the cab of that locomotive a few years ago, I hung off the side of the locomotive, hanging on with one hand, and held the camera at arm's length with the other. As, as I describe it, I aimed by sense of smell. But it is a photograph that captures the driving wheel of this 19th century locomotive in motion. So it was taken with a slow shutter speed, so you get some sense of that movement. It's a hardware photograph, but I think by including the movement in it, it's more than that. Once again, it's a photograph that I would hope that when someone looks at it, she looks at it and thinks about where trains go and the impact that transportation has made across the North American continent. And, Oren, are you concerned about the impact of technology in our lives in various decades and so forth? In terms of the impact on the environment, does that figure in your work at all? It certainly does in the larger body of work. In, in the show that's now at Schuylkillhaven, it's not something that you would see. But I have, I, I have a particular friend who I've done a lot of traveling with between this part of the world and the Midwest, And we have visited a lot of industrial and former industrial towns and cities and landscapes where I have made photographs where it's very clear that the the greatness that we once had in this country, the manufacturing power, came at a cost. And what has been left behind, in some cases, is really very sad. That might be a good segue, Oren, into the show that is at the Haas Gallery, because that has to do with a former industry in Bloomsburg. Yes, it's actually, it's really a current industry in Bloomsburg. The McGee Carpet Company 
in Bloomsburg through a good portion of the 20th century made high-quality wool carpeting. The mill, which still exists on West 5th Street, right across the street from the fairgrounds in Bloomsburg, it was a fully integrated mill. So in the middle of the 20th century, train car loads of raw wool arrived at the mill, and inside the mill, that wool was cleaned, carded, spun, dyed, and woven into high-quality wool carpeting that was used in houses and commercial and governmental spaces. The uh, McGee carpet was used in the state capitol in Harrisburg. When the McGee Company shifted its focus in the 1970s away from wool carpeting and towards automotive floor covering, some of their employees started their own company, Bloomsburg Carpet Company. They took some of the McGee machinery, some of the looms and some of the other machinery, and continued to make high-quality wool carpeting. Bloomsburg Carpet is still in business, and in the spring of 2021, retired the last of the McGee Jackhard looms. That is, a loom that is controlled by punch cards, an early form of computer. I had the opportunity to photograph this last loom before it went out of service. I had also, a few years ago, had, I, I would say I made myself the opportunity. It wasn't entirely authorized, but I took a walk through some of the old McGee mill, parts of it that are no longer in use, vast, empty industrial spaces, huge windows, wooden floors, columns. The show is called The Mill and the Loom. It's photographs of the McGee buildings and of this loom that had been a McGee loom. So it is, the show is subtitled The McGee Carpet Company's Legacy in Bloomsburg, and it's dedicated to all of those employees who made the McGee Company such a success and who have kept some of the McGee processes going into the 21st century. Oren, how can we see each of these shows? Since we're talking about the McGee carpet photos, how much longer will that be up and where is it again? And then we'll go back to the walk-in gallery, if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. The show at the Haas Gallery, The Mill and the Loom, it's on the campus of Bloomsburg University. The show is, it will run through the 14th of September. During the summer, on the uh, Bloomsburg University campus, parking is free. You can drive up. There's, there's no worries about parking there. And the Haas Gallery is open weekdays, Monday through Friday, from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. Once the semester starts, after the 23rd of August, parking on campus gets harder, but the gallery will have extended hours. At Schuylkillhaven at the Walk-In Arts Center, the show is accessible anytime that the walk-in is open. They're at 220 Parkway in Schuylkillhaven. And you're up through the end of August? Yes, the show at the walk-in is there until the 28th of August. Photographer Oren Halbach, co-founder and director of The Exchange, a nonprofit community arts organization in Bloomsburg, speaking about his work in connection with two exhibitions of his photographs now up in the region. Next stop, Schoolkill, Trains of the Coal Region, at the Walk-In Arts Center in Schoolkill Haven up through August 28th, and Mill and the Loom at the Haas Gallery at Bloomsburg University through September 14th. There will be an artist's talk and reception on that day, September 14th at 1 in the afternoon. For more information about the shows, walkinartscenter.org, and it's art singular, so it's walkinartcenter.org bloomu.edu and then to view a wide range of Oren's photographs wheresteamlives.net 
wheresteamlives.net. That's Oren Helbach, H-E-L-B-O-K, photographer with shows in Schuylkill Haven and Bloomsburg. Next stop, Schuylkill Trains of the Coal Region at the Walk-In Art Center in Schuylkill Haven up through August 28th, and also Mill and the Loom at the Haas Gallery at Bloomsburg University through September 14th when there will be a public reception and artists' talk. Info about the shows, walkinartcenter.org, bloomu.edu, and to see Oren's photographs, wheresteamlives.net. Thank you.